You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrooke. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, April 30th. 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series, Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Vinny Hatcher. Hi, guys. Jenna Pace. Hi! Heather Bishop. What's up, guys? And the one and only Katie. Hello, everyone. All right, everybody. A brief announcement before we start. For those of you just catching up with us, and and maybe you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's podcast, Katie made a bold prediction that halfway came true. I made some predictions that none of them came true. And uh, Katie and I were so sure about something that we were completely wrong about. And I think all of you were as well, <laughs> you being the listeners. So uh, you'll find out what I'm talking about in just a moment. So let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 19, which was titled Flower Child and aired April 27th, 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Tilly and Rogers find themselves in danger after an encounter with Eloise, forcing Tilly to make a life-altering decision when Rogers' life is threatened. Meanwhile, Henry and Jacinda's relationship takes a step forward, but despite Lucy's efforts, their union doesn't provide the answers she's seeking. In a flashback, young Gothel seeks revenge after her home is destroyed. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 7, Episode 19. The episode was viewed by 2 million total viewers, with a .5 in the demo rating. It ticked up. So, I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and let's start off with Katie, since she was half right about something. For Uh, once. I was half... I know. Wow, thank you so much. I know. All season, Uh, Katie has not been doing bold predictions. I have not. And I I decided to do it, and I was half right, so I'm going to give myself, like, half a point for that. Yes, you get Um, half an apple. Yeah. (laughs) Half of, or half, now you got me saying the word half. (laughs) This episode was, I'm trying to figure out my feelings on it. I feel like while I was watching it, 
the first, and I'm going to say the word, the first half of the episode, I was not that interested in it. And then the second half of the episode happened, and I was like, the stakes are raised, and it got really good. So we'll talk more in detail later, obviously. But I feel like half the the first half of the episode, I really just, it didn't, like, draw me in for some reason. I wasn't that interested in it. It was kind of boring. And then the second half of the episode, things just picked up, and some stuff happened that I was not expecting at all. So we'll talk about that later. Our bright and shiny Katie, as the series is ending, has turned so bitter. I know. I don't like it, guys. <laughs> Katie's a bitter bitch. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a bold prediction that starting next week, I'm gonna start to like really like them again. So <laughs> there you go. Keep that in mind. <laughs> well, maybe you'll be half right. <laughs> Jenna, what about you? Okay. Like the episode okay. I think what they did with um, Gothel's backstory was interesting. I really loved this, loved everything going on with Rogers and Tilly, and I love what they've done with done with th- those dynamics and those characters. Um, Gothel was made more menacing than ever, um, uh, and also the episode contained one of my favorite twists of the entire series. Ooh. I screamed when it ha- when <gasps> I realized what they did. It was oh that cool. I I'm going to leave that question for you, uh, Jenna. I don't know how good it is necessarily, but it was it was mind blowing as I heard it. Oh my! Yeah. Exciting, Vinny. What about you? So I I I think I've seen Gothel's backstory before. This is like an R-rated version of Ferngully. But oh, okay. <laughs> I was going in my mind with Mean Girls slash Carrie. <laughs> I well, was going to say the Little yeah. Mermaid, where Ursula is Ariel. I, I yeah, I, I there's definitely where Ursula there's... is Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> I think the moment when Gothel goes Carrie in the ballroom was what made me decide that I I, I liked it, but I would have I would have probably picked something bigger for Gothel's backstory. Um, this kind of felt a little bit... I mean, I, I didn't hate it, so don't think that I did. But mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of the end of a Scooby-Doo episode where they pull the ghost's head off and it's like Mrs. Jones from down the street. You know, it was... I expected her to be a much more bigger bad and have, like, a much larger backstory. But in a way, I think the simplicity of how something so, you know, started so innocent led to something so disastrous. I can see how that turned her into who she is. But um, overall, for the entire episode, I agree with Jenna. There were some things that I didn't expect to happen that, that did. So it, this episode is not going to get a scathing review. Oh, okay, once. interesting. Yeah. Gothel is like the Thanos of Once Upon a Time. What more do you want? And no one explain anything for those yeah. listeners that have no idea what I'm talking about. After you watch the movie, you'll understand my reference, so you can rewind this afterwards. <laughs> but, alright. He wants more. Heather, what about you? Um, well, eh, I liked this episode, to a degree. Um, it, it answered a lot of questions that we had, and I liked that it did kind of delve back into the canon of magic on the show, uh, and... I liked what it did there, what they, what the writers did with some of the story arts and all of that. I enjoyed Gothel's story, but I kind of agree with Vinny. I was expecting it to be so much more than it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked some of the twists that we were thrown on. I enjoyed Rogers and Tilly and all that, but 
I don't know. It was, I, mean, I feel like maybe it's just because we've come off some, some really, really strong episodes that this one was just kind of, okay, for me. I, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm hoping to find out as we get through the podcast. Well, Same. I guess I am the Katie of, or the old Katie <laughs> during this podcast because I really liked it. I liked the flashback. I felt it was appropriate. Um, I, I did think that the turn was a lot, but she turned a lot. And uh, it, it uh, her plan, the reveal, was uh, much grander than I anticipated. And I liked it, though. And the twist, I am with uh, Jenna Pace. We are twinsies about it because it blew my mind as well. And I loved it because it was just spectacular. And the present day stuff I found really engrossing. I loved everything Rogers and Tilly and with Eloise and they threw Drew in the mix of it. And and then the whole... Uh, uh, Lucy and Samdi pair up that I never knew yes. I wanted, but was freaking right. fantastic. And then uh, the whole uh, Jacinda and Henry stuff was really cute. So I liked it. it, 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 it. And uh, I'm going to convince all of you. No, I don't know. Maybe not Katie, <laughs> since she's sucking on the hateration. You might. Who knows? Probably not. Maybe half. <laughs> Maybe half. <laughs> I might have convinced you. Oh, gosh. Uh, She's never going to live that down. Uh, among other things, thank you. which Vinny will bring up at some point, I'm sure. Oh, thank you. Wow. <laughs> You're welcome. So before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. 
We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. Okay, so a quick shout-out to the opening title card, uh, which featured a carriage in the forest, which I was confused about in the beginning, or I should say at the end, because I always go back and I'm like, oh, okay, that's how it related. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with Gothel, but I guess it's in relation to the Henry-Ella story. That's yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Also, what, haven't we seen it before? I feel like that was... I feel like that like was maybe the... the premiere yeah i felt like it wasn't new at all yeah i feel like either the Mm. premiere or one of the cinderella centric ones i feel like we've seen it before yeah Yeah. so well there was that um they could have vines growing in or something well whatever i I think they did it because they brought the glass slipper back in this episode yes although remember that one episode in which they had ivy's doll which had like maybe 30 seconds of screen time, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Maybe they like play spin the bottle in a room, and whatever the bottle lands on is what they put in the title Yes, card. a carriage. Didn't we do that before? Oh, who cares? Only Katie will remember. <laughs> All right, everybody. So we start off many, many, many years ago, and I loved how this time, I don't know if y'all noticed it, usually when they do, like, many years ago, it's just, like, there, and then it vanishes, but it kind of, like, zoomed in, or not zoomed in, but, yeah. like, it went yeah. deeper into the mm-hmm. screen, and I was like, okay, that's unique. So many years <laughs> ago, dot, 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 we see a young Gothel uh, uh, becoming intrigued by the human world. Uh, you know, we've seen a story like this before. It's a tale as old as time, although that isn't the song from the movie. But um, she sees a group of young women. They're, they're trying out dresses. And she's with a younger girl named um, Yaro, <laughs> because why not? And um, she tells Yaro to to leave, and she's going to go and get all curious with the dresses, because she's never seen fabric like that ever before. And so she sneaks in, and one of the dresses has a little corsage on it, and she uses magic to uh, grow, or or to bloom the flower, and uh, these women... Uh, catch her and, and they're intrigued uh, she apologizes though you know with the magic and they're like no you know we would love to learn magic from you you know we're not scared you know come back to a party that lord so-and-so is having and uh, you can teach us some magic and so uh, when gothel returns to where she lives uh, in this uh, secret garden type of location uh, we learn that she is a uh, tree nymph, a wood nymph. And um, her mother is kind of like the leader of uh, these nymphs. And uh, we also learn that uh, her mother isn't happy, that she's sort of like, um, you know, trying to dip her toes into the human world, as well as. Uh, glamoring herself to look human uh fyi she has kind of like uh blue greenish skin she's a little avatar ish and uh she tells her that uh you know you have to be careful with the humans you know i don't i don't want you fraternizing with them and that kind of stuff and she hopes that gotha will embrace her destiny because at some point she will be a a, a mother to the world and uh, she needs to accept that and uh, Gothel learns that she does 
have a choice, but her mother is very confident that, you know, she will choose the right path, basically. So let's pause right here uh, before we get into um, the party. And let's see, uh, since Katie didn't like the beginning of the episode, this is the beginning, I won't go to Katie. Heather, what did you think of this section of the flashback? Uh, um, really and truly, the flashback is probably one of my least favorite parts of the episode. I, and I really don't know why, because... You're turning into a Katie. I am. I, I am. agree with her Sorry. completely. Me too. <laughs> it was just... I, I was excited as I was to get Gothel's backstory. And as much as I, I do... If this episode had come back in, like, season two, I would have probably loved it. But here's the thing. We're, what, three episodes away from the end. And as much as they needed to delve into her character to make sense for the entire season, I feel like this is an episode that should have been further back in the season just because I could not care as much about her story in the past as I really felt like I should have. I enjoyed the fact that they made her into a tree nymph. I thought that was really unique. And it's a story that we haven't delved into or a a mythology that we haven't really looked at that often. So that was really cool. And I I enjoyed the conflict of Gothel being this, this creature that has no interaction with humans and really is intrigued by them and is, you know, trying to... She wants to to be where the people are. yeah, she's she's basically Ariel. Um, I like that part, but um, I don't know. It just I struggled so much with the flashback this time, and and I think it's because I I was more invested in what's happening in Hyperion Heights than I was with what's happening in the flashbacks. Sorry. It's okay. I I got the little bits of a response that I needed. So, uh, okay. Continuing on with the the story. So it is party time. Gothel arrives in her gown, looking all humany, and uh, she's ready to show her newfound friends some magic. And so they head on to uh, it looks like a greenhouse, you know, like a like a glass shed type of thing. And she starts showing the magic, and everyone's really excited about learning magic until the truth comes out. And uh, it turns out the leader of these mean girls, her name is Isla, she ends up uh, saying that uh, basically Gothel is an abomination, you know, we hate magic, we hate your kind. Uh, it turns full on Carrie with uh, Isla and her cohorts. Uh, dumping i'm hoping that was soil because the other part of me is like is that like compost or manure um because it was all (laughs) up on her face and i'm like i hope that's not manure i hope it is mud because if it's manure like then i would have been hella pissed like gothel and so uh you know gothel obviously is embarrassed she is disgraced and uh basically the women are like uh you need to get your ass out of town and there is one of them though that does show empathy and sympathy but uh you know she's called away by the head bitch and um gothel is left uh, alone and um embarrassed and uh disgraced and so she returns back to her home and she finds that it has been destroyed 
and uh, like the whole thing is burnt up and she finds her mother you know clinging to life you know in the garden and uh, she basically tells Gothel you know it is now your turn to you know start this all over again and you can with your magic and whatnot you can restore us you can restore this location and and um, it's your turn to restore their world but but Gothel isn't uh into that and uh you know she wants to seek revenge but uh, her mother like implores her and like her dying breath you know don't you know you're supposed to you know restore our world so gothel ends up returning back to the party and starts destroying everything uh in the party you know by summoning these deadly branches and with thorns and deadly plants and whatnot, and uh, one of uh, the friends of uh, the mean girl uh, basically is like, "No, don't!" And, and she reveals that she has magic, and she's like, "You know, you're more brave than I am. I have been sort of like hiding myself and trying to assimilate into the human world, but you know what you're doing is much more brave than I could have ever been." And uh, so Gothel is basically like, you know, join me, join me in my quest. And she does. Her name is Serafina, by the way. And so we see that Gothel basically kills everybody there and destroys everybody at the party. Um, she has these plants that, um, for lack of a better word, kind of pollinate the humans, but not in that kind of way, in like the deadly kind of way. And then uh, we see them return to the um, oh i should have said this but i guess it was implied the the mean girl sent all the people to to destroy that area so that's why gothel seeked revenge against them but we learned that gothel seeked revenge against all of the humans that were on that land she killed everybody and uh, she tells her new friend seraphina that she is planning on leaving this land she plans on leaving it. She knows that humans will end up crawling back to the shores of this land at some point. And with the magic bean that she has from her garden, uh, she's going to depart with Serafina to a new realm. And at some point in the future, she will return and she will enact her revenge on the new humans that uh, will inhabitate this world and we learn that this location in which Gothel has been, and she has removed all the magic from it, is... Burm, burm, burm! The land without magic. This is where Jenna Pace's mind was blown. And mine too. Oh my god, it was blown! <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, Jenna Pace, since you're the only one besides myself that's excited about this, what did you think of Gothel and the Mean Girls, and then Gothel's plan for revenge, as well as the fact that this took place in the Land Without Magic thousands and thousands of years ago? Okay, I have so many thoughts to get out there. Um, First... I want to remark on the scene where Gothel returns to her home and she sees everybody 
everybody's dead, her mother is dying. Because you know what? It reminded me of something from earlier in the show. In season two, Anton the Giant, he tried to make friends with humans, and the humans destroyed his land. So oh, yes. I think a very interesting contrast between those two characters. Gothel is the anti-Anton. Anton had his land ruined by humans who he used to admire, and he became a hermit. He closed himself off, attacked humans only when they came up to his land, didn't didn't bother them, but kind of just said in no uncertain terms, fuck off humanity. <gasps> Gothel, on the other hand, her, her realm gets destroyed, her family dies, and she decides genocide is the answer! So I just As Katie would. Gothel is well, the I mean, obviously. Anton. The anti-Anton, I like that. Uh, someone that's listening, hashtag it. And uh, I would never I dare anyone did. to say anti-Anton <laughs> ten times straight, because that would be confusing. Um, so, yeah, um, getting on to it, the scene with Gothel killing the people at the party was so chilling. As I've said before, Once Upon a Time does elements of horror so well. It was such a scary scene. Gothel snaps a lady's neck with her vines. It's poisonous. It's like... It's um, Little Shop of Horrors all up in this shit. It's great. It's glorious. Um, I want to talk quickly also about Gothel's motivation, where I like that um, it starts out from a place of trauma, but it evolves. Because of the manure. Well, yeah, and also destroying her hometown. Like well, that too. Yeah, but I also kind of like that... I like that it, it's very clear that it's kind of like what was done... And the reaction to it couldn't, like, they show the why Gothel's evil, they explain it, but they don't excuse it. Like, even her mother saying, don't do the, don't have genocide, like, just move on, move to the, like, rebuild. Move to and a new Gothel's neighborhood. Like, no, and because, because the mother is somebody who the audience is supposed to sympathize with and, you know, have a, the same sense of morality as... Um, I find that it does a really good job of not making Gothel redeemable. It's kind of along the same lines as the Black Fairies ep episode and Pan's episode from before, and I like that that was I like that was done. I think that that was really important because nobody wanted to see Gothel redeemed. She's proven herself time and time again just to be the absolute worst to everyone. So. I like that I like that approach to Gothel's character, but I also kind of like that there are things about Gothel that do that can like manipulate people and bring her in, like Serafina, like that gall, her boldness. Um, yeah, there's like they made I think that it made Gothel a, a bolder character mm -hmm. overall. And um, what did you think of her look? Oh, uh, I actually wanted to talk about that. With In terms of the tree nymphs, have you guys ever heard of this show called The Groovinians? It was only one episode that was ever aired. It was about these freaky aliens. Yeah, I uh, definitely haven't heard about okay. that. Okay, yeah. So know. basically, they, the tree really? nymphs automatically reminded me of that. They look, they kind of look awful. I hate how they look, but they're kind of goofy. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. so bad it's good almost. I know, I had to agree. I really... I kind of laughed because it was so bad. It was. It was so. Oh, bad. I liked it because it was different than what we've seen before. So I it didn't really was, mind it. But I think what really bothered me was the fake butterfly clips they had in their hair. I was well, like, yeah, yeah, I noticed that, and I was like, 
But you know what? They're kind of like tree people. So I was like, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> they kind of reminded me of Sky Dancers. <laughs> like those toys that you used to be able to pull the thing and they'd go flying <gasps> away. Oh, yes. Yeah, because yeah. they used to have like the butterfly wings and the clips. Yeah, that's right. I didn't think it oh was that gosh. bad. I kind of liked it. And I was like, you've like, you guys are wearing like dressy outfits. Like, what are you talking about? You've never seen dresses before. Like, it was just it, that I was weird. It was just the specific fabric, like that lace. Okay, that, but still, yeah, I'm that, sure she's got ladybug friends that could have, I don't know, done something or spider women that could have weaved something for him. <laughs> spider women. Well, she's the nature girl. Like, she should be friends spider with all woman. the bugs. Spider woman. You know. Uh, that spider woman does. Yes. Continue on, Jenna Pace. Okay. I and derailed finally, you. I apologize. First, I want to talk about the, the big twist. The fact that this was in the land without magic, I just love how it took me by surprise. Like, yes. Because were you trying to figure out in the beginning where it was? Because I was like, is this going to be what we call the magical forest? Is this a different realm? Like when she got the bean, like before she even said, you know, that the magic has been sucked dry and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, where is she going? Is she going to the, that magical forest? Was this Can a different realm? Can I be realm? 100% honest? No. I feel stupid. I it did not realize that this was in the land without magic until you guys are talking about it. Oh, Katie. I, oh. Bum, bum, bum. I was, was anyone else a Katie? I was watching too? the episode. I was like, what the heck is going on? I don't know. I was very confused. But thank you for clearing it up because now everything makes sense. <laughs> You're welcome. So maybe so. maybe the rating improved, Katie? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, because that's actually pretty cool. I like it. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm saying it was like an awesome twist, like, because the, the use of setting, like, showing it in that time where it looks like once upon a time on a regular basis, it looks like it could have come from basically any of the settings that we've seen thus far, and so they use that misdirection so cleverly to set us up, and then when they drop the base and say it's in the land without magic, it feels so impactful, and you know what? Drop I know the there's, there's been a lot of discussion about in in like on Tumblr where it belongs in the timeline and such, but honestly, I don't care. It had such an impact, like that whole holy shit moment. Well, if it's it from was, the land without it, magic, I mean, it fits perfectly in the land without magic's timeline because it happened a bajillion it, years ago. Yeah. What well, I guess it was like thousands of years ago. They were thinking, but whatever, it it worked. And, all, and, like, there's probably humans that escaped and whatever, but it's just, it was just so brilliant. It was so, it was such a cool twist. And, yeah, it's just like, and you get to think about how humans re-evolved. It kind of shows the strength of the human spirit. And, I don't know, it, it's weirdly optimistic at the same time that it's scary. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that was... I thought that I thought that that I thought especially the latter half of Gothel's story worked on a really interesting level, and left with a lot left me with a lot to talk about. So there you go. I like I it. I have to say mm -hmm. that the the ballroom scene. <laughs> I'm assuming everyone at some point has seen the Batman movie where Uma Thurman was Poison Ivy, right? Oh, well, Batman and Robin. Yes. Yes. All I mm -hmm. could think of nipples. when the flowers showed up, yeah, right, nipples. But when the flowers showed up and they started spewing the dust, I literally just heard the the theme song, 
poison ivy. You know, just like sort of playing in my head because it just reminded me. I was like, please don't tell me Gothel's gonna like take her dress off and be in some weird like bodysuit. Vinny. <laughs> Vinny. <laughs> what? Vinny. That song's really planted in your mind, isn't it? It is rooted. Okay. Reference. <laughs> you woke up the beast. <laughs> I did. But you know what? I, I, I have to say, because you mentioned Gothel committing genocide. I was I, I wish I could find where it was. But someone came up with a nickname for Gothel in one of the comment threads I was reading on Reddit that's like slightly inappropriate, but fitting. They called her Plantler. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I, 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 I didn't, I, I will give you this, Katie. I knew the land without magic, but I didn't realize until my second watching of that sex, that clip, that she'd actually wiped out the human race. Oh my gosh! What? <laughs> uh, Katie doesn't even pay attention when I talk. <laughs> I thought she just killed the people in the ballroom, but I, it didn't even register. As as I guess oh with Katie. my lord! Guys, the stakes are high. What's yeah. your phone when you watch the episode? Lord, Katie. <laughs> okay. Does okay. this increase your rating even more now? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Here's my question. And this is... Okay. When they had, like... Because they had um, the cue cards that say, you know, like, thousands of years ago. Did it say Land Without Magic? No. No. Okay, okay, okay. It said many years ago in the beginning without Land Without Magic, but then after she transported into the other realm to, like, make sure that people like Katie, like, knew (laughs) what the surprise was, it said the Land Without Magic thousands of years later. Oh, my goodness. And they did that whole zoom in to Seattle. (laughs) I'm loving it. I gotta watch this episode again. (laughs) Good grief. The genocide was what increased my, and this is gonna make me sound like a horrible person, but when I watched it and I realized that's what she had done, the genocide actually made me be like, okay, I guess I'm a little bit okay with Gobble's backstory now. Like Vinny the same. Right? Yes. when I thought it was just a ball, first of all, I was like, okay, obviously uh, ball gowns never went out of fashion because thousands of years ago they're still wearing the same type of ball gowns they did in the, in the land with magic. But mm-hmm. when I thought it was just that, I was like, okay, so she's really just like pissed off because they dumped manure over her and she killed a few of them and that's it. But then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, no, 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 she completely went like super crazy and destroyed the entire human race and set them back thousands of millions of years possibly oh, she until... went ham. yeah she totally did and yeah because oh. it was when i was reading that article and they called her plitler and they're like yeah she went all hitler and committed plant genocide i was like oh wait what and i had to go rewatch it oh dang wow i gotta rewatch this episode everyone <laughs> wants to watch again with me and have an amazing realization. Jenna. Hey. I, yeah, I would, I would watch it with you. I, I listened to it in the background today while I was working. Right. <laughs> Katie, you should just record an episode with commentary, like DVDs. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, you should do, like, you know, like, how when people do Let's Plays, they have their head in, like, the opposite, on the screen? You should do that. <laughs> oh, my God. That'll be our yeah. next podcast. We'll start from episode one, and we'll just record episodes with us giving commentary. Yeah, please. <laughs> Oh. oh, my Lord. Now, I have a question for Heather and Vinny. Cool. It's very specific. So, I, so 
Well, because I I think I already know how you and Katie feel, Jeff. But this one specifically kind of... So what I got out of Gothel's backstory was that it was... That, as I said before, it explained her actions but didn't excuse them. But I'm very curious to hear what you two thought of that. I mean... You go first. I'll go last. Well, I was going to ask for clarification. So just, like, about her character... did you find what was what did you take away when you first watched the episode? Did you think like what did you think the intent was to go was going forward with explaining Gothel's backstory? And do you think they succeeded in whatever they what you think that intent was? I'm, I'll be real. I, I I actually whenever I realized that she had committed like mass genocide and the twist with it being the land without magic, that was the part of the flashback I actually really enjoyed. And I think that. I was expecting her backstory to just be not necessarily scale-wise bigger, but deeper, I guess. And it, like I said um, earlier, if this had been an episode back earlier in this season or in the series entirely, I would have loved it. I would have been all into Gothel. And I think it was just, for me, just being caught up in it. uh, Being caught up in Hyperion Heights. But I think they nailed Gothel's character really well. It did a great job explaining who she is, why she's what her motivations are. I mean, I still have a couple of questions about things that she's looking for in Hyperion Heights, but I I liked what they did with it. It just, it didn't catch me, I guess. Yeah, I think for me, part of mine is that I'm still, like, you know, it's hard for me in the PBF season, as I'm calling it, post-Black Fairy, you know, because we spent six seasons building up to the biggest villain of all time in the entire series, and I loved her. I loved the scale of her backstory and how it was woven in with all the other characters. So with Gothel being set up to be this huge, monstrous, you know, potential enemy, big bad of the season, I also kind of expected the scale and the depth of it to be much more complex. And I, and I think that's why it didn't catch me is the one thing that didn't happen in this backstory is that she wasn't linked with everyone. She didn't have her hand in Rumpel's cookie jar. Oh, wait, that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> If you think about it, most, if not all of the villains on this series have had connections to others in in the show. And so I was almost expecting there to be a little bit of Samdi Facilier in there somewhere. And when that didn't happen, I was like, oh, because I thought when it was leaving with the village, maybe he was like the lord at the castle. And, you know, I don't know. I was thinking all types of ideas and they didn't play out. So I'm still... Like Heather said, I have questions about like her and Facilier, why they're kind of up against each other. Uh, and I did expect a lot more. And it wasn't until I went back and I realized that she had completely wiped out the human race that I got my desire for the scale to be increased. If they hadn't have done that and they hadn't have done that twist of the land without magic, I probably would have been like ripping this to shreds. I still wish her story had been a little bit different in some ways, but with the magnitude of what she did, setting her on that path, I, I think they did do a good job because she was a character born of pure innocence and she reached out in trust and was basically destroyed and she's a force of nature and her wrath was mother nature. I love that correlation to way back in the series uh, or in the season where, earlier when they called her mother nature. Hold on. Wait a second. I, before, before anything else happens, I just kind of had a thought. Is <laughs> God an allegory for climate change? Right. She destroys the humans that get too pompous and such, and she says they're going to come back in worse than ever. Than ever, and you know she's going, she's wreaking havoc. I know it's not obvious because environmental factors aren't a big thing on in this season, but 
when you think about it, Mother Nature, like, eradicating the humans, kind of like the Ice Age and all that stuff. I don't know. That That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, they made a whole movie about it called Mother! Exclamation point, starring Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> interesting ending on that one. I Ooh, loved wow. it. Yeah, um, but it also could be an allegory for humans relying fully on technology instead of, you know, having faith in things they can't see. Oh, which goes much better with the theme of the show. Excellent point, Vinny. Well, thank you. Sorry for me being bossy and taking over. That's you, Jeff. Oh, no, you did a great job. That was fantastic. I was actually going to ask before we sort of got derailed a little bit, not in a bad way. uh, any other thoughts on just the flashback as a whole? I feel like everyone sort of discussed the the Gothel point of view. Is there anything else, any little thing that maybe Katie didn't notice that uh, any of you want to mention so that she can notice it? I'm curious about Serafina because I, I it was too. really uh, yeah, yeah. It was weird that they brought attention to her like they did, and we only have three episodes left, and I'm really curious why. It could just very well be to finish out because I still I think we've got three or four coven members that we don't know their identity still because I checked the mm-hmm. wiki before we casted today. But it could be that they just wanted to put a name and a face to another member to fill out the, the empty roster. But I don't know. I get a feeling like there's going to be more with her. Yeah, again, I found no, her I really agree. interesting I too. Got what we had, what we needed out of Serafina. Maybe like, was. Maybe. I just wonder like, what she is. Because I would assume mm-hmm. she's not a wood nymph, a tree nymph, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm more curious about, like, what type of magical being she is. And I, I hope that we get that, but if we don't get it, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, completely. I, I, I googled her to see, or not her specifically, but I was trying to figure out Seraphina, like, in attachment to fairy tales or old stories. Yeah, me too. And there's absolutely nothing. Like, I think there's there's some newer, re- relatively new books that have the title of Seraphina, but... Listen, in the, Bar- Strange, in the Barbie movies, okay? Yes, it's <laughs> not Barbie- the Whoopi Goldberg movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the Barbie princess in the Popper movie... Her cat was named Serafina. Okay? I'm just saying. That's the only Thank thing you for that uh, how, do you, how do you reference. remember the name of the cat okay. in a Barbie movie, but you miss the genocide? <laughs> <laughs> or the fact that it's the land without magic. <laughs> because I recently watched it while I was nannying. Okay, that's it. That's it. That's the only reason. <laughs> but anyways, I was going to say about Serafina that that was a plot twist that I was not expecting. So, because because when they, when we were going through the flashback, I liked that they made her seem, you know, sympathetic. And, you know, I thought it was just going to be like, um, Gothel would spare her life. But no, it turns out that she has magic too. And I was not expecting that. So I really appreciated that part. I think that part in the flashback is when I started to like really get into the flashback um, was when, all these plot twists started happening, and Gothel that went you didn't to commit this genocide. Yeah, exactly. All these things I didn't even know what were going on. But they were, you know, uh, you understood subconsciously. So that's yes, why you perked exactly. up. <laughs> but I did, like, I think around the halfway point in the entire episode is when I started to get really interested in it, both in the present. I like the present day more, but especially in the flashback. I really liked the second half of the flashback a lot because a lot was going on and it was 
it was not what I was expecting at all, which is cool. Okay. Well, let's move into the present day Hyperion Heights, USA. And let's start off with Eloise paying a visit to uh, the desk sergeant. And she uses her magic to compel him to help her wake up the coven. And so while that's going on, Rogers is interrogating Drew about Samdi and about how Nick died. You know, because Drew did plant a little seed into Rogers' ear in the previous episode about there being some sort of, you know, nefarious, interesting way in which uh, Nick died. And Drew basically warns Rogers about how powerful Samdi is and how he uses magic and how things aren't the way that Rogers thinks they are. And he really needs to open his mind to be able to understand what's really going on because there's Samdi, there are witches, there's magic and all this kind of stuff. And it kind of uh, blows Roger's mind, although not as much as, like, Jenna's mind getting blown. Or even Katie's getting blown live in a podcast about the twist, which that was brilliant. Um, that will forever be a ringtone of mine when Katie's like, what? Genocide? It's amazing. That just I'm needs to be to a button now. It just needs to say genocide. What? Yes. <laughs> Katie had a live reaction to a twist from the episode here on the podcast. Spectacular. Here's another twist. Uh, I just checked, and Serafina is not in any other episodes. Okay. Oh, well, so there we know. Answer. Well, I would assume she has to be in the next one, but we'll... They could have hidden it on IMDb, yeah, yeah that's possible. Possibly. So, okay, so continuing on. So, Rogers is getting warned about the real situation that's going on in Hyperion Heights, and uh, while that's going on, we see Gothel stalking Tilly. We see her, like, observing Tilly and Margot being all cutesy outside of Ronnie's. And once Tilly realizes that Gothel is uh, stalking her, you know, uh, Tilly's like, you know, what are you doing? Leave me alone. I don't want anything with you. And uh, Gothel ends up dropping a bomb on Tilly that uh, she is her mother. And uh, Tilly doesn't believe her at all but she's like you know what even if it is true then i still don't want anything to do with you because you abandoned me all this time and you've been out here and you've never even talked to me you know i i don't want anything to do with you and uh, she like keeps on telling her though or i should say she, she tells her before she leaves you know that it will all make sense very soon and later on uh Tilly recounts her encounter with Eloise to Rogers. So let's pause right here before we continue on with this story. And uh, Katie, what yeah. did you think of Eloise Gothel with uh, the sergeant and uh, Rogers with Drew and then Eloise with Tilly? Well... There's a lot going on, but I liked, I really, I like how it kind this season reminds me a lot, a little bit, but in a lot of the subtle things that they do, it reminds me of season one, especially in the way that they take 
minor characters like season one did and gives them a little bit more of a role to play Gus and Gus. I like yeah I miss Gus Gus <laughs> but that's when I used to ship Gus Gus and Ruby together until yeah. well Aww. for all of 10 minutes yeah because they were <laughs> no not for all of 10 minutes because he used to flirt with her before they actually had a chance to really chat yeah. And then ah. she ate her boyfriend. <laughs> no, George killed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She ate Peter, though. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like that they're giving this random police, loop, whatever he is, police officer, whatever he is, detective. Desk sergeant. Um, thank you. The desk sergeant. That's the one I'm looking for. I like how they're giving him a little bit more of a role to play. Like, we've seen him a couple times throughout throughout this entire season. Um, it just reminds me of season one where we had, like, more mind. We had our main cast. But we also had minor characters who also popped in from time to time to have a role. And then as we got farther along in the series, they kind of... They really focused more on the main people or the guest stars of that half season. Um, and so for this season, we're kind of focusing a little bit on some of the minor characters, which is kind of fun, again. But I like how they gave this guy, who we've seen pop in, um, more of a role in this episode. And I like how she used him, um, because obviously Rogers trusts him. Um, and it, I just like how they used him um, for that reason. Um, but I also, the scene um, with... Tilly and Gothel. Um, wow, I feel bad for. T I don't know how I would react if I was Tilly. Like this random woman off the street comes up and is like, "I'm your mother." Like I don't even know how the heck I would react to that. This poor girl is. She has gone through so much in this season. She. People think she's crazy. She. Her brain is just so it's just because she's kind of she's mixed between the two worlds and so her brain isn't you know completely clear to her and to have someone who's in this kind of a state have someone just come up to her and be like I'm your mother that you know puts her in more <laughs> of a <laughs> more of a surprise state yeah like I feel so bad for Tilly but um I don't know if I would have believed this random woman, but, uh, yeah. Um, it did definitely, like, raise the stakes really quickly in this episode with Gothel to just come up to her right away with that, that little piece of information. Um, and then I also liked how they used Drew in this episode because when we initially got the information that Drew was going to be in the season, I guess I was or Naveen, I should say, was going to be a part of, like, the last half of the season. I was not expecting him to be a part of it in this way. I thought we would see him in more scenes with Sabine rather than on his own, working with Dr. Facilier, all this stuff. So I like how we get to see him interact with more people. Um, I'm still rooting for more interactions with Sabine, but... Because um, they're cute. Yeah, they're so cute, and I really like them, and I want to see more of them. But I do like that we are getting to see him... Um, interact with different people like Rogers. So, mm -hmm. so that was a fun scene. I, I kind of liked it. So, yeah. 
Well, speaking of uh, Facilier, at least, well, let's rewind a little bit and let's talk first about Henry. So we pick up pretty much where we left off in the previous episode with them. Henry is convinced, you know, with the, the test results, that he is Lucy's father. But Jacinda, you know, still kind of can't process, you know, what's going on. I mean, you know... I would have remembered, you know, doing, you know, with you and, and, and that kind of thing. And so Henry, you know, is, is really believing that Lucy has been telling the truth and that his book is real. And uh, he even shows Jacinda the, the glass slipper that he had found before. And he's like, are you sure, you know, you don't have the other half and this, that, or the other. And so uh, later on, Lucy pays a visit to Dr. Facilier. And uh, she basically fills him in on what happened between Regina and Rumpel. And how he, like, took the magic that uh, he had acquired for her. And, uh, and so, um, you know, he's like... Or, or she asks if, if there's anything else that he can do. Is there any more magic and whatnot? And he's like, well, it would have to be something personal. You know, if Lucy can find something, some sort of item from the old world that is very precious to uh, Henry and Jacinda, he could kind of glean some of the magic from that. And uh, he can... Uh, you know, use it to cure Henry's current condition so that a true love's kiss can wake them up because he warns her that Gothel is preparing for some sort of war, some sort of, you know, big catastrophic thing, and uh, Henry needs to be saved, and they all need to wake up to be able to combat it. And so, later on, when Lucy is with Jacinda sort of, like, rummaging through, like, you know, boxes of old things and trinkets and whatnot, uh, you know, as they're talking and uh, as Jacinda sort of still confused about the entire situation, you know, they have this great talk, a call back to earlier in the season when uh, Jacinda was trying to escape with Lucy and, and Lucy was like you know I believed you and I was there for you like you need to believe as well and as they're looking through a box they end up finding a t-shirt for Granny's Diner in Storybrook, and in a little uh, doggy bag from Granny's uh, they end up finding the rest of the glass slipper and so Lucy ends up taking both pieces of the glass slipper to Samdi, and he uses a spell with a voodoo doll that is uh, red in color, sort of symbolizing the poison that's in Henry's body, and he takes some of the magic from uh, the glass slipper, puts it onto the voodoo doll, and then crushes the glass, and uh, the voodoo doll is cleansed of... Uh, the poison and we even see some of the glass shards you know make its way to henry henry breathes it in and uh he is cured of uh the poison that he was afflicted uh 
by when uh, the curse was cast. And uh, Henry ends up returning to Jacinda and, uh, you know, they end up sharing a kiss because they, they believe in what's going on. And when Lucy walks inside, Lucy's disappointed because true love's kiss didn't work. There was no whoosh. There was no, uh, you know, wave of uh, magic exploding and that kind of thing as we're used to with a true love's kiss. So, let's see. Who wants to go? I think Jenna might want to talk about this. Jenna, what did you think of uh, this whole storyline with Lucy, with Facilier, as well as Henry Ella together? Because I feel like they had some really great moments, especially with Jacinda, you know, saying basically, you know, don't think of me as anybody else. Think of me as this hardworking mama right in front of you and kiss me. Okay, well... Um, you know what, I'll break it up a little bit. First, I'll talk about Facilier and Lucy, because that was just a great interaction that I didn't know I wanted. It was so cute and cheeky. Um, you really see, like, how Lucy helps Facilier connect the dots about how, you know, Regina needs him, how he can be this big hero to her, how he can help her. And, again, it kind of builds on how interesting a character Facilier is, because it's like... I don't like he does want this curse broken and I like his lines about yeah he wants as many people to remember and have magic on them as possible. So it really calls into question what he's trying to do. Exactly. That's what I was left wondering with this episode and and I feel like you're probably the perfect person to ask about because you're really into Shadow Queen as I am. Yeah. So yeah, I know. She got so excited. I love it. Because uh, I'm so confused, because I'm really rooting for him, and they always try to make him seem really shady, but the shadiness kind of rubs off, and, and we sort of see him as a pretty decent person. I think the only thing that makes him shady now is maybe the fact that he wants the dagger, although I feel like he wants the dagger for a good reason versus a bad reason. And the fact that he's doing something with Sabine, something with Princess Tiana that I don't understand yet. Because, like, even this whole thing with Drew where he's making him do stuff for him, I mean, you can kind of say he's, you know, paying the quote-unquote price for him being revived. So I can even forgive that. But whatever he's doing with Sabine, that's the only thing that I want to know what exactly is going on there. Because that would sort of make me understand whether he's good or not. Like, the beignet... You know, taking the magic from that, it made sense because, you know, he he needed to wipe out the serial killer for his own reasons. But uh, whatever vendetta, or I don't even know if I want to call it a vendetta anymore, whatever he's trying to sort of mess with Sabine. I mean, I guess you could kind of say that he wanted Drew to get close to Sabine, maybe so that he could get the beignet, you know, and steal the magic from that to kill uh, Nick. Maybe. I guess maybe that's the explanation. So, um, I don't know. But I did like him with Lucy as well, and I thought uh, the fact that he's wanting to help, the fact that he's uh, warning her that there's this thing going on with Gothel, you know, we may not have gotten uh, Facilier embedded in Gothel's backstory, but the fact that he wants to stop her I thought was uh, really interesting nonetheless. 
Well, I was kind of thinking, I was thinking, I've been thinking about the dagger, like, why he wants the dagger, and maybe he's kind of like, he's worried Rumple because he still has so many dark inclinations, might not, or he, because he's trying to get back to Belle, might not be able to do what needs to be done to defeat Gothel. That's why, I'm thinking maybe that's why he wants the dagger, because he's willing to go dark, but for good reasons. He's almost like a very subdued rumple, because because he obviously at least wants to save people from, he at least, at the very least, wants to stop Gothel. That's already kind of putting him in better territory. And he's doing some shady stuff. Killing Nick, yeah, but as he said, Nick was a serial killer, and I kind of like see what he's going at. He doesn't want to, you know, he's going, if, uh, why not unleash somebody who wanted to go after witches on the witches. You know, at least that person has revenge, and it's going to give them some level of satisfaction. And when he's a wild card, when he has, when he could potentially reveal things or destroy conceptions that might be important, Facilier removes him from the deck. As Facilier said, when he killed Nick, he's a wild card. And yeah, so I think that Facilier's motivations are much more complex, and I feel like I don't even know if his stuff has to do that much with Tiana these days, because while in the flashbacks he definitely had things to do with them, I feel like in this cursed world, he's he only interacted with Tiana, like, the one time, well, the one and a half times, but the one time was to bring Drew and Tiana closer together, and the half a time was, to, was kind of just getting the Beignet trust stuff so he could start using his shadow magic. So I'm just kind, I'm kind of thinking, like, even the shady stuff he's doing is kind of building to a purpose, and his thing is, his, like, one goal, I feel like, is whatever it's going to take to beat Gothel. And I kind of like that, I feel like he, he really is one of the best versions that Once Upon a Time has done as a like a villain who is noble in intentions, but is also kind of willing to do the darkness. It's a, it's very interesting how they're how they've done how they've approached Facilier or Samdi, and again it shows with how he's working with Lucy. It's yeah, it's um, noble. It's it's like almost noble in some ways. It's smart. He's also not sassing her, so I think on some level he does care for her, even if it's only because she's Regina's grand granddaughter. But I kind of like what they're what they're building to. Where it's like even though he is even though he's pretty even though he does have an evilness to him he still is he's still working with the heroes he's coming together for the purposes of yo if we want if we want to do anything we have to take her down so yeah i think that was i think that's really um i think that's really fascinating um now on to the henry ellis stuff i i like it um i find that uh, I find that the Jacinda stuff, especially her scene with Lucy, was was so adorable. The before Lucy stuff, I found that the callback to the first episode was very appropriate. It felt good. It felt kind of earned too. Like remember, um, I remember when I talked in the mid season finale about the eighth witch, how the scene where Henry uh, giving Lucy the kiss on her forehead, it didn't feel earned because it was like Henry and Lucy haven't interacted all that much and the and their and how much time they've been spending together didn't justify this father-daughter connection where he really thought he could break it with a true love's kiss um i find that um i find that this was earned because you really we've had a lot of time now to get a feel for lucy and jacinda's mother-daughter relationship 
um, both in the earlier and latter half of the season. So this callback works really well. And yeah, I feel like Jacinda's belief and faith has been has um, has been tested and progressed enough where this finding the glass slipper and believing comes off as earned. And Henry's been thrown through the ringer so much that his sense of belief being triggered again also makes sense. So we're finally at this moment and it actually does feel like it feels appropriate. So, um, yeah, the kiss, I like the fact that they left the, why the kiss didn't work as the big mystery of the episode. I don't really think it's anybody holding back. I don't even know if it's anybody holding back, because I really genuinely believe that Henry and Jacinda are both, like, keeping their hearts and minds open to believe in this in this uh, fantasy reality. So I, like, they made that a cool mystery. And, um, and yeah, so there you go. All right, Jenna Pace. Katie, since you were half right, were you surprised that you were half right? I Did you notice w- that you were only half right? I, I should ask that first. I notice I was half right. I did notice I was half right, and I was surprised. For the because, bold prediction, listeners, yeah. if you didn't listen, well, you should have. Shame on you. But Katie <laughs> basically said that there would be a true love's kiss at the end of the episode, and that Henry would immediately fall into a coma. He did not, guys. He did not. <laughs> I. It's not. I don't know. I'm very surprised that something didn't happen. I was not expecting that. That was a good plot twist because I was not expecting that. Um, I was very happy that they, when they were in the process of kissing, I was like, oh, my prediction's coming true. And then nothing happened. I was like, dang it. But I'm very, it left me very curious because I really, really, really want to know why it didn't work and what's going to happen from here. Like, what is going to be able to break the curse if TLK didn't break it? So, um, yeah. can, I, can I say, can I jump in right fast? On well, that? of course you can. Uh, um, I thought it was really cool about True Love Kiss not working though, because mm-hmm. if you think back to season one with Snow and Charming, they fell in love as David Nolan and Mary Margaret, and even though they kiss and they're like the embodiment of what true love is, it never broke the curse and it never woke either of them up. Oh, like the that's only true. thing that woke that woke anybody up was when Emma kissed Graham, and that's because Emma was the savior. Like back before they went that's crazy true. on what the savior is, the only thing that could break the curse was Emma because she's the one. She was the product of the magic that Rumpelstiltskin put on the curse when he when they cast when before he gave it to Regina to cast and like any other season when we see a curse it's never true love's kiss that breaks it unless it's Emma with Henry um, in in season one or some very some little variance of that of somebody who cast the curse dying kissing uh, Henry on the forehead somebody waking up and believing like in season three so I thought that was really cool and really smart because they stayed true to their canon with that. And um, especially since uh, we just had the idea that Ivy wanted true love, thought that true love's kiss would break it, and she didn't want it broken anyway. So that was really, really cool. Sorry. No, no it's really I totally interesting. Agree. So what do we think, think is going to break it? This really I, I have a theory based on the promo, so I don't know if that's cheating. 
I have a theory based off the press release. Ah. Well, I'll go with my theory Can first. we go through it? Go, go. I go think, based on the promo, unless this is, like, really good editing and it's not what it seems, it looks like adult Henry is going to call college-bound Henry. And I think that's what's going to trigger him. Because, also cheating in the promo... Like, when he hears his younger self on the phone, he does that whole shaky thing like Regina did when she got all her memories back. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I guess that's what happens. So unless it's a whole switcheroo, misguided type of thing where, you know, they just slice those scenes together for the promo, it looks like he's going to get it when he answers the phone or he's talking to somebody on the phone. So maybe it's a voicemail he listens to or something, and mm -hmm. it, it isn't that he's calling himself, yeah. because that whole thing is kind of weird. Because remember back in the day, earlier this season, Regina said something like, oh no, we can't call Storybrooke because, uh, you know, we can't ask them for help or something like that. Yes! Yeah. And so, what if the reason Regina said that is because in Storybrooke, it's still kind of the same as it was, um, like, let's say, last season. And mm. in Hyperion Heights, they're in the present, but they're also in the quote-unquote future. Where these people are oh. aged up, but it's still present day in Storybrooke. I really don't know how that would work, and I think that would be hella confusing for the final two <laughs> episodes. So Just I don't think it's be. that. Mm-hmm. But That'd be uh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, basically saying that Storybrooke's timeline is concurrent with Hyperion Heights, even though Hyperion Heights is technically in the future because Henry is grown up. Well, and it's curious mm. because obviously they're walking around a college campus in uh, the promotional photos that I saw. Like, it, I, and I thought that was a flashback of like younger Henry with Regina. But if that theory was true, then we would have like, a, oh gosh, you're going to be like potentially, what if that university was like in Washington? Um, then they would open up a whole new can of worms of like past people meeting present people. And I, I kind of hope that's not the case. Yeah. It was a weird theory. Uh, Jenna, what about you? What's your theory based on the press release? Well, I'm thinking, well, uh, okay, so I'm thinking because um, Rogers and we were going to be going to going to Margot to get to talk to Tilly about breaking the curse. And because Tilly's magic and she's basically a guardian, I think that it could end up being a true love's kiss either with um, Rogers and Tilly or Margot and Tilly. I, you guys are getting me to say the freaking Margot thing instead of Margot. Darn it. But anyways, that's th those are that's my theory because I feel like because the, they're easily building the Tilly and we're going to talk about that obviously next hopefully. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think that I think it's got something. I think Tilly's as I said before, they're building the things with Tilly, and I could kind of see because especially because of her ranking as a guardian, as a person who could potentially ca like cast whatever curse Gothel's thinking of. I think that I think that it's it's a, there's a good chance it could be her. That would be interesting. I wouldn't mind if it was... I think I would prefer if it was Rogers and Tilly, just because it would mirror season one. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that mm -hmm. would be really cute. And now that we know Samdi can uh, remove the curse of the poisoned heart, I think... Wait, I can't remember but, now. No, was that like, what Henry like, had? No. 
No, Henry he had just a poison, head. right? Just he random yeah. poison. Never clarify it. Yeah. Okay, but, but maybe Samdi can get rid of with what he did. Maybe he can get rid of the curse of the poison heart. You never know. But I have a theory I mean, about that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I don't trust him. I don't. Especially no. Oh no. <laughs> I, well, here's wait. Why. So wait, I, hold up. I just want to find yeah. out where the alliance is split. So Jenna and I trust him. You and Heather do not. Katie, where do you stand? Uh, I want to say I trust him, but... You but weren't even paying he's... attention to the episode. Did you pay attention <laughs> to those scenes? Excuse Look, me. she's on I our side. I paying attention to this. <laughs> I feel like he's proving himself that he's... He is doing the right thing, but... Just because of who is who his character is modeled after, I don't trust him. <laughs> hey, you know, Katie didn't even watch the movie until like last year. So. <laughs> That's why it's fresh in my mind. Excuse me. We are heroes. What? On on Once Upon a Time, Cap, Captain Hook and the Evil Queen are heroes. So I okay. say expectations. But it took them years to get there. I don't. I'm I'm yeah. gonna say I'm cautiously optimistic. Can I? Okay, Katie's in the middle, so she's Switzerland. <laughs> All right. So Vinny and Heather, state your case. Okay. So if Facilier could break the 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 curse on Henry's heart or the poison heal it whatever this entire time first of all if he loves Regina as much as he professes and he knows Regina and Zelina were awake and they know about the curse he knows they're trying to break it why did he not share this with Regina earlier when he knows that's going to be if he knows her as well as he says he does he could have offered that to her at any point in time but no he held that close to his chest it wasn't until lucy came to him and he saw a vulnerable little girl trying to save her father and saw someone he could take advantage of to maybe get access to something that will allow him to have some kind of control over henry or the poison that's why i don't trust him and when the the glass went into henry's heart i had an eerie flashback to Ingrid and her curse of the shattered heart or whatever it was called when the shards of glass went into people and caused all well, sorts of mon- shattered sight. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it just mirrored that for me. And I, j- I don't know when, especially I'll cheat a little bit too, but next week when they say that they go to wake up Henry and it doesn't go as planned. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that he's obviously, I feel like he's been manipulating things from the Han scene yeah. the entire time. Yeah. Like, Everything and I, I started thinking about this after the pa- podcast last week because everything that happened last week was so convenient for Facilier mm-hmm. to the point where he was right and he got to be like Rumpelstiltskin's always slithering in between you and me, Regina, and all of this. And and then this episode, it was so easy for him to remove that poison. Like it didn't, it didn't, it didn't cost him anything. No. And he's had magic this whole time because every time he walks in somewhere, the lights flicker. He yep. poofed Rumpelstiltskin without any problem last week. He's shady. Yeah. Which is funny that you say easy because I think that's actually what Facilier translates to is easy or to make easy. Facilitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, there's just something about the way, like, I've had my back and forth with him, but that's the main reason that I don't like Shadow Queen is because I really feel like... He's playing her. He may have feelings for her, but it's one of those things that in the grand scheme of things, his plan and what he is after, whatever that may be, is much more drawing to him than any little love could be, which would match to the Facilier and Princess and the Frog. He wanted to be the richest and wealthiest man. He wanted power and, you know, would go after anything to get it. So 
I, I'm really, I will be surprised if what he did with that glass slipper is actually genuinely positive, because I, I really think it's going to screw things up for them. Same. Hmm, that's interesting. A bold prediction from Vinny. Just call me Madam something, I don't know. It won't be Madam <laughs> Katie, because Katie was wrong. Yoda. Wow, Madam Viota. I was gonna say that, and then I was like, "Oh, that's that's too that's too far of a stretch." I'm glad you said it. Thank you. To be you. fair, you beat me to Beniyetta. Oh my God, Beniyetta! Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, and... "Oh, it won't work," but then you went for it. So I we're know, even. I know. As soon as he said Beniyet and Vendetta within like two sentences of each other, and I'm like, "Oh, this is too much to miss." I can't. Oh, Benny, Benny, you yeah. have only yourself to blame for the puns this week because you brought up Batman and Robin, and that movie is all about the puns. No. All about yeah. the nipples and the puns. Yep. <laughs> Story of my life. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious to see. All right. Well, I trust him. I believe in him. So does Jenna. You have not convinced us. You and Heather with your innuendos. And uh, maybe both of you are really behind all the machinations. <gasps> you never know. Or maybe we just planted a seed of doubt. Gasp. <gasps> <gasps> I don't know, Jeff. Maybe he really is evil. Who, Vinny? Of course. Oh. <laughs> that goes without saying. That's why he recruited me. He needed someone to balance out Katie. I know, but Katie oh. was easily malleable. <laughs> Wait, did you just basically call her Play-Doh? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, why not? We'll go with that. Point, man. It's been too long. <laughs> oh, Katie and her Barbie movies. Hey, listen. I loved those as a kid. I would have been in a fandom if fandoms were a thing when I was a child. They were. You just didn't know. That's true. Actually, that's a very valid point. You're welcome. Okay, so continuing on, let's pick up with Rogers and Tilly. And so they end up visiting Henry... You know, because the book, and he was right about the serial killer, and all this kind of stuff. And so, when he lets them in, he has... It's not really a murder board, but it's like an analysis board. Where he's, like, trying to figure everything out. And he's got some right things. Like, I don't know if you guys freeze-framed, but I did. And he was figuring people out left and right. He had little question marks. And it was, Mm -hmm. like, hilarious, (laughs) like, what he was doing. But he was connecting... Hyperion Heights and all of its denizens with the people in his book and that kind of thing. And so, uh, basically, once they figure out who Eloise and the Coven and that kind of thing, they're like, you know, maybe she's planning on something huge. And so, uh, Rogers, while he's there, he ends up getting a tip. Although, I'm doing air quotes, a tip from the desk sergeant about where Eloise is. She's at the old Hyperion Theater. And so Tilly and Rogers end up staking out with uh, marmalade sandwiches and everything and uh, origami, the theater. And as they're bonding and connecting even more, and, and, uh, you know, Tilly's so grateful to Rogers for taking her in and believing her and, and that kind of thing, they see that Gothel enters the theater. And so they go, and it turns out, as our good friend Admiral Akbar would say... It's a trap! It's a trap! Thank you. Somebody. 
Katie was finally I paying was attention. I was! Yes. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was a trap by Eloise and the Covenites. Oh, that would be a very interesting cover band. Eloise and the Covenites. That's our next project? <laughs> they can cover Poison Ivy. <laughs> yes, and all the music of Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. You know what I would have wished? Like, a little sidebar. I wish that they would have used the Sanderson sisters, like, as part of the coven. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what can you do? At least Madame Leota was in there. Somewhere. Okay, so it was a trap. The desk sergeant grabs a hold of uh, Rogers. And uh, we have uh, Tilly being dragged down. And basically, Eloise tells Rogers, you know, there might be a sacrifice, but it's not going to be Tilly. And so down in the catacombs, maybe? Is that what we want to call it? Of the theater... Uh, we well, I think it's actually where her uh, grove originally was. No, correct. But what would that be? Like the catacombs under? Yeah, the, yeah. I think you call it catacombs. Okay. So down there, they there's like the whole uh, coven symbol, and they're ready for some sort of mystical, magical um, ceremony. And before everything goes down, Eloise reveals the truth. You know, I'm your mother... You know, Rogers is your father, and, you know, haven't you felt a connection? This, that, or the other is because you're a father and daughter. And uh, earlier in the episode, we saw Eloise use her, um, I don't know what you want to call it, her whisper magic. Her powers of persuasion. Okay. We'll go with that. With Margot. And, uh, you know, she puts her in a trance, and she ends up pricking her finger to get some blood. And so, while Rogers is uh, being held hostage, he ends up getting his finger pricked as well to grab a um, speck of his blood. And uh, we also see Eloise... Um, or she, let me just call her Gothel from here on out. Gothel ends up finding the key to her secret garden there in the um, catacombs. And uh, she even sharpens it up, and we even see sort of like a uh, remnant of uh, the doorway and everything. So this is where her home used to be. And uh, she basically tells Tilly, you know, join me, one of us, one of us. Yes. Although, that was creepy. And so, she's like, you know, <laughs> come and join us. You know, I never would have abandoned you if I knew that you were special. You're a very special girl. And um, she's like, if you don't, we're going to kill him. And uh, she explains that she has the blood of Margot and the blood of Rogers and, and the trinket. It's like, you know, it's like the familial blood and then the, the blood of, like, I don't. I don't think she called it true love, but she, you know, like the blood of love, and uh, something old. You know, an, an old trinket of value, and uh, combining those three items plus the magic of the coven, it will unleash something. 
And so after threatening Rogers, you know, Tilly ends up being compelled to join. And so she takes her place in the coven and their ritual begins like this whole, uh, I don't know what you would call it. It looked like magma started to, to <laughs> fill up the uh, symbol of the Coven of Eight, and uh, that's pretty much where it ends. So. It's a circle of death. <laughs> okay. The Master of Evil. Vinny. <laughs> what did you think of this storyline? You know, <laughs> <laughs> this was my favorite part of the entire episode. Yes. So, Phil, oh, I should also say, Serafina is there. Yes. We, we saw and her. Is there too somewhere? Yeah. Because I, I saw her on the cast list. Uh, I absolutely love the fact that we were left with a cliffhanger. I am so happy that we don't know because it just leaves me gasping for more. But that aside. This entire arc, this was my favorite. For you know, I usually I'm more of like I generally tend to like the flashback scenes, but this season, I don't know, I've been getting a lot more hyped up for the Hyperion Heights uh, because it's so epi- different. It is. Yeah. It really, really is. The gritty, the maturity, you know. And I'm really, really sad that we're only getting one season of this because I really feel that there could have been a lot of really awesome potential for stories down the line because they were, you know, in the past, they did a lot of things different with characters, but they were still kind of walking within that cookie cutter guideline. But over the past few seasons, they were slowly breaking out of that. And this season, it's really been like, look, we're going gritty. We're going urban, you know, and the arc with Eloise, this was really the first time that I really felt her being cohesive in the present because up until now, she's just been kind of like a sprinkle on your ice cream on an episode, you know, like an afterthought. Um, because she was really big in the beginning of the season, and then in the middle where we were dealing with other people, she was kind of there, and she'd stop by to drop a bitchy, catty remark and then walk away or you know, cause a little bit of trouble. But now we actually are you know, willing or able to see what's going on. And the scene with her and Tilly where she professes who she is, that was really creepy. Like To me, it was just like you are manipulating. You're trying to manipulate your own child. And it was just really interesting to see her play that. But I was selfish and I want to change. I can be better. You know, hoping that that would Whoa, work. And was, was Gothel here? Just now. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank it was you. uncanny. <laughs> but it, it was, you know, the first time I watched it, I was like, dude, this is like a Lifetime movie. Like, long lost mother walking up to daughter on the street and being like, I'm your mother. But it was the second time I watched it. I'm your mother coming soon to Lifetime. Starring Jenna Pace. (laughs) What? As the mother. And Heather Bishop as the daughter. Jenna? What? Why me? I don't know. Well, because Katie was too busy. But if you you look back... Child killer! (laughs) Please don't make Katie my mom. Maybe she's the villain of of the Lifetime movie. She's actually hunting Heather. This is getting real scary. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, if, if you go back and you watch those scenes from the first one where she reveals that she's Tilly's mother, she was not only... Because at first I thought, oh, she was trying to get Tilly by the whole mother card to see if that would work. And when that didn't work, she resorted to other means. But actually, when I watched it again, Gothel was screwing with Tilly's mind. She was manipulating her to get her to a point of vulnerability because by going to her and saying, hey, you came out of me, 
being like, oh, crap, wait, what? And, you know, she's tugging on the heartstrings of this lost child. And then that lost child's inevitably going to go to the father figure that she's recently become entangled with and tell him and start this, you know, chain of events that puts everybody where she wants them leading up to the movie theater and the coven. You know, I, I didn't like the fact that we didn't see the coven getting woken up. I thought that would have been neat. Um, but the leading all up to him. Yeah, there, I know. What if the test sergeant just right? went up to each one and was like, wake <laughs> up, bitch. Right. Exactly. Like, that's kind of what I pictured. I'm like, this this really, like, just average looking guy just walks up and is like, bam, bitch. You're awake. Um, I like it. I yeah. ship it. I do, too. I think that would be a deleted scene that we need to see. But uh, I, it was a masterful plan. And watching it all come to fruition, mirroring back to the beginning of the season when we saw Regina get roped in in a very similar fashion, it was literally like, a, a, I don't know, just a counterpart to when Regina that was there, Henry's on the floor. And I don't know if maybe that's part of what Gothel needs for every curse is like a guy in bondage and in danger and a woman who doesn't want to be forced to do something. But... It was a nice callback to that, and I'm really curious to see what happens because I've been picking my brain and trying to figure out what could she possibly be doing. I don't know if it's more genocide or if it's more of rejuvenating and bringing back her grove by bringing the power of others. I'm I'm really lost, and I like that I am because I'm really curious to see what happens. And the Tilly and Rogers part was literally just heartbreaking. She, you could feel Tilly's pain. And Rose Reynolds has done a phenomenal job this season of like playing this character. And I really, really want to see what happens next week. And I, I hope that we do. And it's not just, hey, we're going to wait on one episode and do this on Henry. I want to see what ramifications happen with Hyperion Heights. Because I think this is leading up to the confrontation, which I'm hoping we'll get between her and Facilier. Heather, what about you? What did you think of the whole uh, Eloise situation? I really... This is probably the part of this episode that I liked the most. I really enjoyed the scenes between Tilly and Rogers when they first got to the movie theater. I thought it was very... It was very sweet and heartwarming in um, because they, they've had a lot of really nice moments together. But I feel like it's been a couple of episodes since we've had the two of them sitting down, talking to one another... And I, I enjoyed their interactions together. I also especially love when Rogers is like, Tilly, you must, you have to wait in the car. And she's like, I'm not waiting anywhere. I'm coming too. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I, um, I, I feel like Gothel is probably one of the most intriguing characters we've had on the show. And I know I've kind of been, uh, I've kind of been on her case a little bit in this episode and nitpicking her character, but she's so very interesting. And I think one of the things that makes her interesting is her interactions with Tilly. And we keep coming back to this, but um, it, it was very it was very good and it was very well acted. And I, I like the fact that she didn't really care about Tilly or Alice until the, she realized, oh, she's magical. So obviously she's special, so I can love her now. And the fact that she's that, number one, that cold-blooded. And that horrible of a parent um, is really interesting. And I, I don't know. I don't think we'll see much more out of it between them having an actual mother-daughter relationship. Um, but that really struck me while watching it is that Gothel was putting a whole lot of conditions on her love for her daughter. Somebody who she should innately love and care for and want to protect. Um, especially since it's Tilly slash Alice who's, you know 
just adorably precious and you should want to protect her anyway. Um, so I thought this was a really fantastic portion of the episode. I love the cliffhanger that we're left with. And I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Like, I have no predictions for what's going to happen in the next episode as far as this is concerned. And I think that's really fascinating. It really is. Mm-hmm. What's funny, though, is has anyone ever read any V.C. Enders novels? Like Flowers in, the Atti- Flowers in the Attic? Yes! And- Okay, so I really, like, as you were just saying that, I, I realized that, like, there's a lot of interesting parallels with Gothel and Tilly. <laughs> and, like, this oh, is, like, that's real true, though. Yeah, it really, really is. Well, shout out to that series. Lord, <laughs> 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 on Once Upon a Time, anymore. we're talking about incest yeah. now. <laughs> it's real dark. Good um, genocide, and you know we might as well just yeah cover the gamut. Yes. So, any final thoughts on this storyline or any storyline in Hyperion Heights before we move into the MVP? Yes. Okay. So I want to point out. I just love the tragedy of this moment with Tilly. It's like I've said before, like in the last episode, where I was saying Tilly's been something's been building up with Tilly. All these little moments that a lot of that you guys have dismissed as unimportant, like the the we have? How not dare the you? Potatoes. Uh-huh. What a call out! You. Sorry. Call out. Anyway, wait, wait. Repeat again. I want to make sure I, I heard this. Okay, a lot of scenes that have been dismissed as the appetizers by some of the co-hosts. Vinny. I was throwing mm. shade at Vinny for a sec there. Anyway, oh, I got a bucket oh, I thought of it was fertilizer for right over here. Oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they've been they building up to something. They were improving Tilly's confidence and her faith that she's been loved. So, and because of that, Tilly is able to stand up to Gothel, at, well, to Eloise, whatever. And she and but the tragedy is, even with all that strength, it felt like she's unable to do it. But because of her, because of that innate goodness, because because she's formed these relationships, and I love the contrast where it's like. Even at the beginning, she she was so unsure, so incompetent. She only had used to Weaver as an informant, but now she's well, uh, be, eh, because Weaver was because Weaver was cursed. But now it's like she has at least like three, well, four relationships where people really care about her, and it's all been building her strength and her confidence, so she can stand up to people, so she can say to this person who who like was tempting her with this love of motherhood, like. No, you're, what you're offering is not what I need. I have what I need through these people that have given me this, give, helped me find my inner strength. But even still, things don't go awry. And that's how you write tragedy. It's like, sometimes it's just, you do your best, but something that you couldn't prepare for is what causes her, your causes the downfall. And for that, Eloise going after Rogers, her weak, her weak point is her goodness and it's just it's so beautiful and i also just want to comment that there's almost there's also a mini tragedy in the episode with the desk sergeant because as katie said he's a minor character who's been recurring lana paria named him in the episode she directed chosen she gave him a name he never had one i think before and it's in relation to, I believe, her nephews or something yeah, like that. Samuel something mm-hmm. like that. Oh, yeah. Cool. Like I, she I tweeted or Instagram about who it. That was. Anyways, um, but he kind of like started out as bullying Rogers all the time, calling him an evil Eagle Scout, but kind of like 
in a condescending way. And slowly as the season progressed, he began to respect Rogers more. You see him like being a lot kinder to him on the job. And it, and it's sad that it's like now Rogers hates him and thinks he's disrespecting his badge, but it's not his own free will. And I just feel so bad for him. It's this minor character. Once upon a time, how the fuck are you able to make me feel bad for a desk sergeant who's had maybe 30 <laughs> lines total? If that. <laughs> I love it. How very dare you. Pain. Anyways, okay, I'm good. I like it. Alright, so let's move into the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. If someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. AKA no repeats. And because she was so eloquent... In her most recent uh, answer, Jenna Pace, you may go first. Thank you. I'm going to select. I'm going to select Officer Rogers, um, Detective Rogers. I'm sorry for my MVP. Um, his relation with Tilly kind of reaches its culmination, and it's just beautiful to see how he's grown to care so much for this girl. Like. This girl who was just, like, barely a stranger to him. Their bond that is formed. How she has little mushrooms in his car. How she lives with him. How he packs a little marmalade sandwich for her. How he's willing to say fuck it to his, his job and his badge and his honor just to protect her. It, how, he's, how he punches the desk sergeant. I know I just talked about how sympathetic he was. But that was also kind of cool because he's, like, he's doing it for Tilly. And, also, and just the moment where he's, like... He, he feel the, the connection he feels when Gothel reveals that they're father and daughter. It, it was just so beautiful. And how he instantly believes Tilly when she comes to him and ta- and starts talking to him about Eloise and the contrast with that and, night- and the events of Nightfall. It's just, he, he was beautiful in this episode and I love him. Well, that was really nice. Vinny, what about you? Your MVP and why? I had, like, a few different options, but I think I'm actually going to go with my first choice, and that's Facilier. (gasps) (laughs) After all the shit-talking. Good grief. (laughs) But that's exactly why. This is the biggest plot twist. That's exactly why I'm choosing him. Because he had such a small role in this episode. But in the time that he was on there, he managed, and, and I'm not literally trying to make a pun here, it's just the only metaphor I could think of, he sowed the seeds for me to trust him even less. You know, it, it's just, I I don't trust him even more now because of the whole thing with him and Lucy, and it just seems too easy, and I really, really want to know what his endgame is. And the fact that Lucy went to him and, you know, he did all that he did and now has impacted Henry in some way, which I will admit I could be wrong, and potentially it could have been for the better. Oh, Jen I, and I will laugh. Oh, you will. You totally will. And I give you full permission. But I don't know. It's just something about him in this episode and, and how it was running him doing something so of such magnitude just as Gothel was also doing the same thing. It was like watching two villains plans running concurrently and simultaneously heading up to whatever final battle we're going to have. Because con- I feel like we're going to have a confrontation between those two. And what he did in this episode, instead of making me like him more, made me trust him even less, and really made me curious for where what he is after is going. So he is my MVP. Vinny, mm-hmm. can you say you reached this conclusion after 
shadowing him? No. <laughs> that was a good one, but you know, I think it I think it came to fruition after my hopes for him being good wilted. <laughs> I already said that once, but I was muted, so that's why it took me a second to respond. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> he pollinated you with evil. That oh, okay. that, that sounds like that's a video available in Japan. <laughs> it is, and Katie owns it. Oh, probably not. <laughs> well, because she doesn't own it, Heather, you may go next. Cool. Um, my MVP for this episode is Henry. Um, Ooh. Yeah. You took Katie's. Um, well, I, I think Henry did... I think it's really amazing um, as what they're doing with Henry's character and just how strong the heart of the truest believer is. Because he's always the character that we've turned to when you need hope, when, you know, somebody's down and they're not believing in themselves or they're not believing in, you know, whatever circumstances they're in, they need a boost. It's usually Henry that's used as the momentum to get them to where they need to be. Even, and even though, you know, we've seen him throughout the seasons have low moments, he's always such a positive character. And to see him going through his book like some kind of madman with all the boards around the room... It's fantastic. I love that that part of him is peeking out, and I think it shows just how strong of a character he is, that the curse isn't able to completely and totally mute everything about him. Um, I loved the scenes with him and Jacinda. I thought they were adorable and very um, heartwarming, even though the true love's kiss didn't work. And I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that's going to affect Henry as a truth believer going forward in the next episode. Um, and I love that the relationship that's uh, sprouted between he and Rogers and Tilly and how the three of them have become this team of cursed individuals who have no idea what's going on but are somehow trying to find their way in this place and are really ready for all three of them to be woken to be awake but I, I thought Henry was fantastic in this episode and I thought his characterization was really strong as well sprouted sprout oh I everyone has a green thumb <laughs> In this podcast today, except for Katie, I don't think Katie Katie is punless, yeah. except for her Barbie um, knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have a lot of that. All right, Katie, have you been, have you been paying attention? Uh, slightly. Okay, Jenna Pace, you will decide her fate because she says slightly paying attention. So does the slightly mean that she should go last or should she go next? Hmm. Oh, this is really hard because I, hmm, you know what, I always feel, it's not, I'm not doing this because of you, Katie, but I always feel like yes, Jeff you goes are. last, Don't so lie. I always feel like Jeff goes last, so I'm going to give it to, so I'm going to say, you go last. Oh, what a diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> I totally thought you were about to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I was going to say? I, wanna I, hear I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say what a Dickful answer, like like make like <laughs> Katie cursing. How wow. dare you? <laughs> no, that's Jenna on this episode. Woo! Yeah, that's a well, yeah. Well, I love it. All right, thank you, Jenna Pace. So, okay, if Katie would have gone next, I feel like maybe I would have known who she would have picked, and then I would know who I would be sort of left with. 
because to be quite honest, there aren't that many choices left. So I thank Jetapace for allowing me to go next. And I'm going to give it to Tilly. Yes! No! Because... Bum, 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 bum. Oh, oh my gosh. I blame honestly, you for this, Jenna. Honestly, I'm just happy that Tilly is so popular among you two. Hey, yeah. She was my top choice, too, but I've chosen her for so much, I have to. I had to choose somebody else. Yeah, I know. I try to, uh, like, my personal rule is to try not to pick the same person two weeks in a row. So I, I'm really glad Vinny picked Facilier, because I picked Facilier last time, and uh, I felt like he was awesome in this episode for different reasons, uh, not the shady ones that Vinny was expressing. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Tilly, like Rose Reynolds was just awesome throughout the episode, from her confrontation uh, early on with Eloise, to all the stuff with Rogers, to just the fantastic work that she did, sort of like being torn you know, between what Gothel wants and, and, like, saving Rogers and the revelation of their, you know, parentage and familial relationship. It was just awesome. So I have to give all the kudos to Rose Reynolds for her performance as Tilly. So, Katie. Who's wow, finally. MVP? What? Who's what did you say? your MVP? Who's my MVP? Well, since you took mine, good lord. Well, it's technically Jenna assisted yeah, me in not the sorry. theft. All on Jenna. Hashtag um, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am going to go with the obvious answer. I'm going to go with Gothel. Because... Katie knows best. I do. <laughs> I really... <laughs> enjoyed her performance in this episode even though the flashback wasn't my favorite part i really did like the second part of the flashback um where she was being evil she was committing genocide even though you know i i didn't know what was Wait, going she on was exactly affecting jenna yeah yeah getting rid of all the jennas genocide <laughs> uh she she did a really good job with that performance um her in Hyperion Heights, man, she was she she was at the top of her menacing game in Hyperion Heights. Um, she was just just the way that she's so cold and she's so evil, but she doesn't present herself like you know all flashy like a lot of the villains have done in the past. She's not flashy. She just is very cold. Um. And I really like that about her character. And so just her entire performance, and especially the second half of the flashback and in Hyperion Heights, were just done very well. And um, even though I, I, I hate her character, she does a good job making me hate her character. So I guess she gets my MVP for this episode. I like it. You also had Drew as an option. That's true. I did like Drew, but she he didn't play a huge back. part. I did. I'm sorry for interrupting you with my pun. <laughs> Thank you, Jenna. <laughs> you get some points back for that. It was part of the genocide. <laughs> uh, because of all the puns. Okay, everyone. Let's rate this bad boy. Let's rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? 
the point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. And we're going to switch up the order, so that means, Heather, you may go first. Cool. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to start kind of in the low range. I'm giving this episode an 8.5. Cool. Um, oh. Sorry. Uh, but it, we went up a half a point throughout the podcast, so there's a positive. Uh, I did enjoy this episode, but I feel like, um, like I said throughout the, the podcast, I feel like it's a strong episode in a lot of ways, but it just didn't catch me and it didn't pull me in in a lot of in- instances. I, the storylines were interesting, uh, and the ending was fabulous. I, I loved the ending of this episode, and I enjoyed the the characters' arcs just through this little bit, but I feel like... There was, maybe there was too much going on, and it was rushed in places, and then it was really slow in others, um, and I don't know, I feel like we've come off of a string of like five or six really strong, fantastic episodes of Once Upon a Time, and then there's this one, and while it's great, I don't feel like it's up to par to where it has been in the past maybe four or five weeks, so it was a wonderful episode, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, it just, it didn't, Get me all the way there, if that makes sense. So, 8.5. I like it. I feel like anything above an 8 is, is good. So, okay. uh, even though you were a little complaining, an 8.5 really isn't that bad. So, okay. uh, you can't change it now. I don't feel as bad. She says it feels bad at all. That's cute. So, okay. Let's rip off the band-aid. Vinny, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to disappoint you, but actually talking about it in this podcast today has increased me by uh, three points. Whoa! What? Wow. That's a big-ass jump! I know. Originally, cause <laughs> Was I, it me? I, it was everybody, honestly. Okay, but the first time me. that I watched... The first time I watched this episode, it was late at night, and I was tired, and so I was really bitchy about Gothel's backstory, and I didn't really care for it, and Vinny so knows I best. kind of... Right? <laughs> I, I watched it again through watching the clips on YouTube uh, just to go back and get, you know, be able to like fast forward within the scenes that I wanted to look at. And that got me up from my initial, which I was very much in the middle. It was going to be a five. And then watching some more of the scenes when I realized the genocide happened and the actual like full scope of Gothel's rage, that got me up to about a six and a half. But through talking about everything like Vassilier and the other points that we've discussed, and with the way that it ended, I've actually moved myself up to a 9.5. Oh! I know. I know. It's one of those... (laughs) I'm shocked myself, but I I think... You just killed Jenna. I know. You genocided her. (laughs) I, I, I would... If her backstory had had a little bit more... Like Heather said, it didn't catch me. Like, I was not at all emotionally invested. I was pretty much like Gothel is to Tilly, I was to Gothel's backstory. I was indifferent. I was very, you know, oh, she was a nymph, that's cool. Oh, shit, it was in the Land Without Magic. That got me. And then the genocide, that part, you know, really gave it some oomph. But other than that, I felt like that for her character's backstory was just kind of middling. Um, But the ramifications that could come from this episode and the, the heartbreak with Tilly and the curse not working and facilitate doing what he's doing. And it made me think a lot more about the material in it. So I, I will definitely up it and I will give it a 9.5. Wow. That is a 
Very impressive. So <laughs> I feel like I've got to go to Katie next because we've learned Ooh. from Heather. She went up a point five, a point five, like a point five, and then Vinny just went up technically four and a half points, but from his like you know official score before the podcast, like three. So, Katie, what happened to you? Did you increase? Did you stay the same? I, I increased. How much? You guys, inc- not okay. I, I wasn't okay. as drastic as Vinny Man, but it's like three quarters of a point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you're gonna say it, I guess I'll say it too. Um, <laughs> I I went up one point. I my final apple count is. Eight apples, so I'm okay. going to rate it eight you apples. You can make a pie with that. Yeah, a nice pie. <laughs> I, like I said, the first half of this episode, I just really was not interested in, but something happened, and the second half of this episode, I got really invested in it. Um, obviously, when you guys opened my mind. <laughs> it's genocide. And Yes, exactly. And revealed all of the genocides that was going on and that we were in a land without magic. It just blew my mind and raised my score up to an eight. So that, I mean, this episode had a lot of great plot twists. I didn't think Tilly was actually going to like go through with this whole thing. Um, I thought the last minute she would like change her mind. I, did not think that Gothel was going to go the route that she did um, by committing genocide. Um, I did not. I thought for sure that TLK would do something, but it didn't do anything. I was not expecting that Facilier and um, Lucy scene. Um, it was just. It was a. It was a good episode. I. The one thing I wanted to comment on that I really liked in this episode was the effects of. Um, Facilier breaking whatever curse Henry had on him, whatever poison he had in him. The curse um, of I the loved... poison body. There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> it reminded me very much, in visually, of the shattered glass um, curse that we had. What season was that? Season four. four? Mm-hmm. It was four. Yeah, that's four right. A. So they were... Yeah, it reminded so me of very... <laughs> yes, wow. that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It reminded me very much of that, and I really liked it. I thought that was done really well, um, and it made me very curious for what's going to happen in the next the next episode. Um, so, I will give this episode eight apples. Nice. So, Katie gave an eight. We've got an eight point five. We've got a nine point five. Jenna Pace, where do you stand? Oh, okay. First, I want to say that I just that Katie just gave me a theory that's only t- that's tangentially related to the story that I want to talk about Ooh. after the rating. But anyways, um, I actually also increased this episode in this podcast. This was a very good feel good podcast where we were kind of like making each other feel good, and that's like the way that we should go. Anyways, um, I was originally going to give it an eight, and I moved up also a point, and I'm going to give it a nine. I think the character interactions worked really well here. I think I feel like um, Gothel's genocide really pushed her into that 
level of irredeemability that we've seen from characters in the past, like the Blackberry and Pan. And it made her very interesting and compelling. And it kind of, um, I feel a little differently from Vinny, where I feel like it, it actually was like a way to kind of build on the stakes from season six. I mean, in, uh, season six was more of almost a culmination where season seven is kind of like a new threat. And I feel like that really works for this for this season because it's kind of like in some ways standalone while also attached to the show. It works really well for a requel that the show is. Um, but the but a lot of the character moments make this episode really great. Rogers and Tilly are just they're amazing together. Um, Samty and Lucy have this really adorable bond henry and jacinda had really lovely moments together and you really if you if you didn't feel the relationship before i i think that like that's definitely an episode that i feel could get somebody who wasn't into that couple into that couple i really like them but i know that there are some people who don't and that's and that's a it was just a really sweet they had a lot of really sweet and genuine moments as did lucy and sabine so, yeah, I think this episode was really good. Lucy and Sabine? Did I miss that scene? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Lucy and Jacinda! <laughs> I was like, wait, did I, did I miss something? I'm like, what? She got a special scene. Love uh. it. Okay. So, my score didn't change, because I sort of went into this already feeling wonderful. And uh, I'm giving it a golden apple because I really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> I just did. The revelation was awesome that we were in the land without magic in the flashback. Well, okay. Let me rewind. The flashback was okay. You know, it was Mean Girls. It was a little bit of Carrie. Uh, I, I gave this pun to Jenna when we were talking about the episode over the weekend. I said uh, Gothel got carried away. Um <laughs> I mean, she did, but it was still kind of awesome, and I liked it, and uh, I loved the twist. The whole genocide thing was, I don't want to say genocide is cool, but just the concept of it <laughs> was just, you know, that she went that batshit crazy, and she killed every human, basically, in North America. I was like, good grief, lady. And the fact that she, you know, she was like, I'm going to gather some sisters and we're all going to come back and kill everybody again. I'm like, all right, girl, you know, more power to you with your psychopathy. But, uh, you know, it just made her like crazy. And uh, I know Adam and Eddie are all into like, you know, the evil isn't born, it's made. So we definitely saw how it was made. And she's like nutsy cuckoo. And I kind of liked it. And then the present day stuff was just, it was all good. I loved everything Rogers and Tilly and Eloise. I loved the Henry Ella stuff. The Lucy and Samby pairing that I never thought uh, I needed uh, was brilliant. There was no Regina in the episode again. It's kind of weird that it's like the final yeah. couple episodes and Regina has been missing a lot. And I know that in the one episode she was directing, maybe even the week before she had to prep. I don't know, maybe in the week after she had to do some behind-the-scenes directing kind of stuff. But I really felt her presence missed, like, big time in this episode, uh, rather than some of the other ones that she's missed. So maybe it's because we're, like, winding things down. The whole uh, Rumple not being there... 
wasn't no Rumple was there right he had a short scene no no he no. wasn't at all Mm-mm. i'm remembering the previ- okay i'm remembering he, the previous yeah, episode and um and lana were not in the episode yeah okay I think rogers was the only one from the original cast that was in this episode well there you go yeah Ro- uh weaver wasn't missed as much um yeah, I don't. His presence, I guess, because it was such a heavy Weaver episode in the previous one that it, he wasn't as missed in this episode. But uh, Ronnie, I immediately noticed that she wasn't in it. So, uh, so there was that. But overall, I mean, it was just an incredibly strong episode. And then the fact that it ended, sort of like open ended. The thing that I was alluding to before we got into the synopsis of the episode was the fact that, like Katie and I, at least the two of us, we thought Gothel was dead in this episode because it was the Gothel centric yeah. episode. And for the most part, I mean, either the villain dies in their centric episode. Or maybe an episode or two later. So maybe Gotham will die in the next episode. I don't see how any of this bleeds into like the Storybrooke stuff in the final two episodes. But I guess, you know, maybe it might. Maybe it might not. Uh, I don't know. I guess it all depends on how the next episode ends. But I feel like Gothel, she's going to be dying soon. And so the fact that they didn't kill her in this episode was surprising. And the fact that they ended it so kind of open-ended. I mean, she wants to kill humanity, but how is she going to do it? So uh, I guess we have to wait and see. But yeah, I just love the episode, so I'm giving it a golden apple. Jenna Pace, oh, you had something wait, you Jeff, wanted to before, add? Before I do that... I guess there's a pun would coming. This, would you say this is an episode... To die for? Yeah. Maybe you. Ooh. <laughs> genocide. <laughs> that was called a read. Genocide. That was dark. That wasn't even shade. That was a read. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so I, my thought is about Tilly, because in the last episode, we established that Tilly was the guardian. And in One Little Tear, the Rapunzel episode, we discovered that, like, the guardian really needs to make you know, like, more or less only good decisions, like, not given to darkness. And even though it, even though it is for good reasons, because Tilly is now helping Gothel with the spell, would that mean that she gave in to that level of darkness, even if it is on somebody else's behalf, and thus can no longer be a guardian? That would be interesting. Because something that I have kind of hoped for is... That Lucy was the guardian. Just because, if you think about it, her grand, no, her great grandmother would have been involved in a true love pairing, and then her grandmother would have been the savior. Then her father would have been an author. So Lucy could be a guardian. It's quite possible. You know, because, you know, everyone else is really important in her family. And so I I think Mm -hmm. it would be kind of special if she was something. It would make sense. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to go that route. Like, at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, Rumpel's going to be like, it was you all this time. And even so, I can't imagine Regina would condone of her great-granddaughter becoming immortal because that's the same reason why Rumpel didn't want Tilly to be... True. Maybe that isn't really a part of the equation. Like, maybe that's something that he assumed. She's also his great-granddaughter, so... That's true. 
great well, great 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 granddaughter. Oh gosh, good lord, they're just great. <laughs> I, love family, I love the family tree and how basically Henry married the person with the even crazier with the family tree. Just yep. <laughs> yeah, something that uh, Katie and I talked about many many seasons ago is uh, it would have been so awesome if they could have shown like a thanksgiving episode with like everybody together like that just you know especially when they were in storybrook because Mm -hmm. everyone was so you know it was it was like a messy family back then especially before everything was happy i guess we kind of got that a little bit with that very final scene last season of them at granny's like eating together but, um, you know, just like an episode of them experiencing a holiday together would have been pretty kind of crazy and dramatic in and of itself. But um, I do like that idea, Jenna, and maybe they will explore that in the next episode. It's possible. Yes. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybrook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe dot com slash poppy chula radio are you interested in joining the poppy chula radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor email talent at poppy binge listen to your favorite poppy chula radio programs by visiting poppy slash archives you can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through apple podcasts and google play just search for storybrook weekly mirror and subscribe Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, guys. Later. Good night. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybook Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Good night. Good night.